In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, folks, and welcome to In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. I am your host, Robbie Miller, and today's guest, well, I think you guys may know him. He has been in the trenches for a while. Um, I've actually known this guy for around, honestly, around about 20 years now. My first uh, experience of a show uh, with this guest was back in 2000, believe it or not. But anyways, I can't wait for you guys to meet him. Will you please welcome to In the Trenches, Mr. Ryan Roxy. Hello. How are you How doing? Are you? I'm good. How are you? Nice to see you again. It's, it's, good been, to... it's been years. It has been. Yeah, years, minutes, seconds, something like that. Um, thanks for coming on. Now, Ryan, before we get started, um, yes. I just want you to know that this is a c-word free zone we're trying our best to not mention uh the c-word and obviously we're all kind of in this global situation together but without mentioning it too much can you tell us how you are doing at your end how you're coping with things what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis is the c-word chuck garrick sure is the c-word <laughs> calico cooper is there's so many c words there are yeah you're uh you're, you're you're kind of doing the perfect guest answer right now i appreciate uh actually being here on my own show and i appreciate mm -hmm. you taking the reins for this one um it does feel weird shouldn't i be on the other side i mean vic should have figured that out yeah but, I, it, but that's i mean <laughs> if we can't do it don't worry about it vic i mean it's just technical stuff i mean it's you know, anyhow, yeah. How have I been holding up? I yeah. am uh, wearing my hat today in yeah. uh, sort of honor of California, which is my hometown. It is, and or my home state. Yes, and I know that the people in California are going through a bunch of crap. We always mm -hmm. give a lot of uh, props to the people in New York and the East Coast, but the West Coast has been hitting hard too. So right. uh, my heart's is out to them and uh i don't know i'm i'm chilling in stockholm i i just put out a insta story i said it felt weird not to be preparing for the show and just actually being prepared for the onslaught of questions you were going to ask me so i, I went walked down to the store and then i figured i was doing something that a lot of people can't do these days just walk out into the streets and go grab some groceries without you know a huge uh you know what are you list. doing yeah, yeah. It is a really weird time right now. I think I also feel quite uh, grateful that we can all be so creative. And I think this team, especially, we're all just looking for new projects all the time. And, and that can be a great distraction. But yeah, the, the lockdown is a weird one. Well, right now. the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that this lockdown might be longer uh, you know, everyone says, I can't wait till we get back to the normal, you know, there, let's, this might be let's maybe let's assume there is no normal. Let's assume yeah. that it's, this is the new normal is going to be different than what we've ever been used to in the past. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, if we go back to going to, you know, side-by-side -side concerts, everybody's squishing together and going into mosh pits, then let's be pleasantly surprised. But if not, let's be prepared as people not just musicians because you as a musician myself as a musician we've had to find new places to perform and we might have to find new stages to perform on new yep. types of stages so i applaud you for doing shows like this and yeah. you know <laughs> well yeah it's you know anything just to keep you know reaching out to those in the trenches finding about their story uh mm -hmm. all of that stuff and I do want to bring it back. I want to take it back to the, the beginning, um, which sure. I believe is in Sacramento, California. Wow. Oh, I thought it was just the beginning of our relationship when I taught you a guitar lesson. Are we going to get to that at one point? <laughs> We're going to get to that. Do you know what? When I was actually doing the research for this episode, I was writing down all this stuff and, and bringing it all together. I realized I'd written three pages worth of stuff. And I was thinking, man, I, I don't think we're going to get through all of it. But we've Was got it a fan letter? There. Was huh? it was it a three page fan letter? You know what? Was we're it? gonna we're gonna get to a lot of this stuff, Ryan. <laughs> but I want to bring it back to actually a Ryan Sacramento, Roxy, huh? Sacramento, but specifically a Ryan Roxy that not everyone might know because originally 
you actually went by the very first was Vic, Mister. Where is it? You guys got it's, a lot it's, of technical it's coming. stuff hey, going on today. We're we're ah. making it work. We're making it work. But yeah. you were originally Doctor Ryan Roxy with Doctor Ryan Roxy. Yes, yes, with a wife. <laughs> That's funny that you actually went that deep down the Ryan Roxy rabbit hole of the doctor. Well, first of all, I'm from California. I mentioned that earlier. And this is the uh, capital of California is Sacramento, where I was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in the Bay Area. A lot of mm-hmm. people think I grew up in Los Angeles. I did grow up in Los Angeles, like just by sort of learning the ropes. There yeah. I am, Dr. Ryan Roxy. With the, with the Y. Well, well, a good attention to detail, because yes, when I first started uh, hanging out with my buds and and sort of thinking that I wanted to have this alter ego, be a musician, be a, I didn't want to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock and roll star. That's basically what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. Looking at the posters on my wall, I wanted to be Peter Frampton Comes Alive. I wanted to be that album cover. So um, I had... Uh, uh, some really good friends, a really tight group. There was three of us. It was my, myself, John Bristow, who I'm still really good buzz with today, and Steve Burks. And we called ourselves the Swingers. I, I know that was our gang, and it's a pretty pitiful name for a gang. But we called ourselves the Swingers uh, because of that Saturday Night Live skit with Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin. I think I, two wild and crazy guys, you know, that, that old, old skit. And I'm sure Vic doesn't have a, uh, a clip to pull up of that, but I'm sure he will. He wish well, he did. You wait. <laughs> but the, as far as the swingers go, uh, John was sort of the leader and he was called super swinger. And then my other buddy, Steve Burks was there. He was called uh, King swing. Or maybe it was reversed. Maybe it was John Bristow was King Swing. And then my buddy was Super Swigger, Steve. And then me being the third one, I guess I had an education. I was Dr. Swing. Hmm. So Dr. Swing eventually became Dr. Ryan Roxy. And back hmm. in those days, I spelled it R-O-X-Y because I was uh, I was unaware of the club in Los Angeles. I only started changing the name to IE when I moved down to Los Angeles. And there was a club called The Roxy, R-O-X-Y. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want everyone to think that I just patterned my name off the Roxy Club. Right. Although I did play the Roxy Club to dozens of people many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, I might be jumping a little bit ahead here, but when did you actually legally change your name to Ryan Roxy? Oh, and, and one second, oh, it, it, is is wine, it is wine time here. Oh, on <laughs> so uh, cheers, Ryan. Cool. Thanks for coming on. That's uh, white wine. You are this so is, Canadian. This is Pinot, uh, Pinot Grigio. Um, it's not. It's water. It's, it's 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 early over there. You're not drinking wine Ryan, now, Ron. Ryan, I am so dedicated to the team and the show. Please, he's um, committed. All right. You're can you committed. tell us about when you legally changed your name? Okay, Chief. this is the story, and this is how it goes. Um, I was 15 and a half. Because crazy enough, me being that I have a 17 year old and a 14 year old now, I can't even think of them driving. To be honest with you, can you imagine giving the the behind a wheel? You're allowed to drive at 15 and a half. You're allowed to get a learner's permit in California. So I went up to the DMV and there's obviously someone's first day and I passed my learner's permit. So when he looked up at me, he goes, so what's your name? And I said, well, it's Ryan Rosovich, but I go by the name Roxy. It's, it's all, it's just right. He goes, Roxy. Okay. Okay. Well, how do you spell that? And, and he just typed it. It was, it was before computers. He typed it into a typewriter, R-O-X-Y. So from then on, when it actually came in the mail, because the learner's permit turns into a driver's license, once you take the test and you drive and parallel park and do all this stuff. And um, I actually passed it on the first test. I'm pretty happy about that. But to my surprise, even though they had both names, they went with R-O-X-Y, uh, and the rest is basically Ryan Roxy history. Because from there, I was able, you know, I, I it had legally started. And then I started working under that name. And then I started um, getting, uh, what, what was it called? A, um, I'm drawing a blank now. When you have a, a, No, no, a, a social security card. Okay. And, and, and then the big one. Was I, for many years I was Ryan Roxy, aka Ryan Roxovich. So I had to have that. I had to carry that weight for a while. Right. But uh, then it eventually became just Ryan Roxy, and 
to this day, I have, uh, yeah, I've toured the world as a writing author. So, I mean, in, in a way, you really have always been doing this imagine your reality thinking and ethos from quite an early age you sort of decided you wanted to be a rock star you wanted to do the rock and roll thing you gave your same you gave yourself a uh, a, a persona a different name you really have sort of grown into that into well, Ryan no Brown. joke no joke i the album title imagine your reality even though i released it as like my latest solo album and my first actual solo album under my name mm -hmm. i have been doing that ever since i was a little kid i remember used to go you know going to bed and sort of saying my prayers and you know i was a good little catholic boy you know mm -hmm. growing up mm -hmm. since become a bad little boy I <laughs> tell guess. us more about that years yeah well, we'll go through that <laughs> but but i used to always imagine myself on stage playing in front of a lot of people that was mm -hmm. basically my uh, daily nightly routine yeah. and um of course i would pray that someday i'd become a I, I did say i wanted to become a cop or a stunt man wow those were the two other occupations i had yeah, and as you could see, I wasn't really built for being either of those. <laughs> I think I would have lost my job the first day as a stunt man. I used to always think being a stunt man was cool. So right. a stunt man or a cop, and then it was like, no, I want to be a rock and roll star. Yeah. So um, I still haven't gotten there to where I feel I'm there yet, but I keep kept on imagining it, and eventually did get to play the same stage and have that same look that I used to uh, imagine every single night, looking out from the crowd. Or uh, from from the stage to the crowd. That's one right. people. That's one thing I do tell people about imagining your reality. Don't imagine yourself. Don't imagine looking at yourself on stage. Imagine yourself being on stage. Right. Imagine yourself being wherever you want to be. Like you've already accomplished it. Mm -hmm. That's my that's my advice. So when you were beginning to start to learn music and you know pick an instrument, I know you dated the drums for a while. Um, but then switched to the guitar, if I'm right, at about 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Um, I had a one night stand with a trumpet. Don't forget that. Right. You know, it was, uh, I started on the trumpet. My, my father had played trumpet in like the military band. So there was a trumpet lying around, but let's admit it. I mean, how many rock star trumpets players are there? Name one quickly. Flea. Flea. <laughs> what? Really? Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Um, I think that's a beagle. Oh. A bugle. Million. Okay. No, I don't know. I European no version. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, um, but trumpet. And then, yeah, I sort of, like you said, dated the drums. I, I realized real quickly that the drums were like way too heavy for me to carry and had, it would entail having a van of some sort, which I eventually did get a van, but um, then having to set, set up and back. I think that was the deal killer. That yeah. was sort of the deal breaker for me is having to set up in the back and sort of leave last at any yep. gig. So, yeah, yeah so I, I quickly moved to guitar. and uh, But I did have a cool-looking drum kit. I had a, a five-piece Slingerland tiger-striped drums kit. If someone, wow. hey, can you pull that picture up? Yeah, you, you, yeah. you won't find it. It was We've got different... before photographs were taken. think <laughs> 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 just had wall drawings of it. No, but it was a five-piece painting. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was an artist rendition. Um, so, but go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to uh, just talk a little bit more about the posters on your wall. You always mentioned the posters on your wall were bands like Cheap Trick, The Cars. Um, I've got some other bands here that you listed off before Van Halen, obviously, that first yes. album I know was very influential for you. Obviously, guitar driven rock bands. But can you just maybe go into a little bit more? Um, past the guitar side of things what was it about the cars cheap trick van halen those bands? bands like that yeah i think it was always about the songs for me yeah. i really loved catchy songs but with driving guitars and yes. all those bands that i would list had a certain amount of guitar driven songs of course the cars had synths in it as well but at the end of the day Elliot Easton, the guitar player from the Cars, is one of my biggest. He's one of the, sort of the unsung heroes of of mine 
because I feel that his parts and his solos and, and what he brings to every single song really influenced me with my own songwriting and my own playing and my own development. Obviously, Eddie Van Halen was a rock star to, you know, from the get go. And I just kind of just wanted to emulate that. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously, Cheap Trick for me, they were my Beatles. And, and I had, even though I'd been grown up listening to the Beatles, Cheap Trick was the next thing, the next evolution of the Beatles in my mind. So that first time, because uh, we used to travel down to Southern California to visit my family, my mom and I would drive down the Highway 5 to see our family. Uh, most of her family, I guess, would be down in Southern California. I went to a party and Cheap Trick at Budokan was playing at that party that, not the actual Cheap Trick, but the album, mm -hmm. the vinyl album. And I remember sitting next to that vinyl player the entire night. I didn't socialize with one person. I was social distancing way before it was even a thing. Yeah. And I distanced myself with a record player. And every time side A would, would and I'd flip it over to side B and, and, and so on and so forth. So I would go through the entire album and um, it was great. So that was my, and then when I came back up to uh, Northern California, I immediately bought all the Cheap Trick records. Of course, uh, the album Heaven Tonight had a poster in it, so I hung that on my wall. My mom was always really cool about letting me put uh, posters on my wall and sort of making my room my world because my room basically became my world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk about, you know, always filming stuff in my son's room. Maybe someday he'll live in New York and he'll go, why do I live in New York? <laughs> I don't know why, but, you know, I, I feel it's if, if you're a parent out there and you have kids that are young, let them do what they want to their room. Their room is their sanctuary. It mm -hmm. became mine. It became my sort of, I would play hours and hours of uh, air guitar in the mirror, not just practicing guitar with it on. I'd practice without it when mm -hmm. air guitar, I don't know if it's a thing, but you know, look it at the thing. Yeah. People used to call me and have called me for years. You're a poser. I say, yeah, but I'm a professional poser. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> are. So Cheap Trick were obviously really, uh, really influential. I'm actually, I kind of discovered, well, probably through you, Cheap Trick a lot later than maybe I should have. But I remember getting that first album and seeing on side one, it says side one. And on the second side, it says side A. And I remember yes. thinking, why is that? And I looked it up and they said, because the album is so good, you can play it either side. Uh, that and was so, that was so cool. Yeah, they um, all, well, their whole concept, Cheap Trick's whole concept was cool. Let's have two guys that are uh, bigger than life rock stars and let's have two cartoon characters that, that could be in any sort of Looney Tunes cartoon. And mm -hmm. let's, let's combine them and make characters out of them all. And basically, yeah, I wanted to have like Damone says in the movie – uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, uh, the charisma of Robin Zander. <laughs> so he says something like that again. Vic, you should have the clip. I don't know why you don't. <laughs> What's going on with Vic today? <laughs> but there. Oh, look at that comment. Mark Denzison is is honestly that comment is so true. It's the reason why Ryan. I've been friends for thirty six years, mm -hmm. and Mark was a big uh, Cheap Trick fan growing up in. Southern California. I was growing up in Northern California and eventually our worlds uh, collided musically with Gilby mm -hmm. Clark band. And, and we always shared that love of uh, cheap trick. Now I, I actually, that's a great segue. So thank you very much for that. Can you, I guess one of the first real bands, I say real, but maybe when things were starting to become very serious for you was a band called candy who I believe you were a late addition to. Candy yeah. were already a band. I got the band. I got in the band. Of, I don't, again, I'm referencing old TV shows, but I got into the band Candy because I'm, I was Johnny Bravo. I fit the suit. I actually, there's an old episode of the Brady Bunch mm. where I, I don't know, Peter or Greg Brady gets the gig in a band because he actually fits the same size suit. Well, with Candy, I was this guy running around Los Angeles with super spiked black hair uh, and a black leather jacket and ton of Aquanet in my hair. Mm -hmm. And so were these other guys, you know, in this band called Candy. It was just Gilby and John, Jonathan, John Schubert, Kyle Vincent. So they were, um, they would say, uh, people would say to them, hey, there's this guy that should be in your band. He's this Ryan Roxy character. And people would come up to me and say, you know, you should really be in that band Candy. So we all converged at a gig 
in uh, Southern California called Madam Wong's West. Man, don't look for it anymore. It's not there. But <laughs> <laughs> the tales that place could tell. It was it that place was basically held together by cocaine dust and broken dreams. But it had so much potential. It was it was it was such a great rock and roll club. I seen actually I saw uh I think I saw Michael DeBar there. You know, and he really? he was just on the show yeah. um a couple weeks ago. Can't hear you, bro. <laughs> Can't hear you, bro. Love Michael. Yeah, Love that's a quite. But that anyway, I, I think I saw Checkered Pass there. I saw, <laughs> there he is. Vic has that. He still has that though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 met there, and then we decided that maybe we should try playing together, because mm-hmm. being that we kind of fit together, locked together, looking image wise, and then of course their music, their power pop, um, world in a sort of heavy metal scene sort of jived with me. Cause I've always been sort of a bit more of a pop guy yep. surrounded by uh, more of a heavy, me- heavy music or heavy driven guitars. Yep. Like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Dave. I, I'm Keith Partridge trapped in a Keith Richards world. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's your soundbite. I like that. That's a good analogy. Um, in Candy, Gilby left, and the band became Electric Angels. Yes, right. Yeah, well, Gil- Gilby left and then joined a- another band. I don't know if you heard that one. Eventually, it started as Kill for Thrills, and then that band. Uh, then he got asked to join Guns N' Roses, so that right. basically set his path on a very yeah. high trajectory. Um, us, on the other hand, with Electric Angels, we were bashing it out in the clubs. We had um, well, a guy can named I- Wayne. Sorry, can I just interject? Was there any, was there anything about if the band should split up or, you know, what what was that sort of decision to carry on? Well, we actually like, did. Good, good question, Robbie. Because I, I, a lot of people always ask me what happened with Candy, how with the the demise of Candy, and and what did it split into? Well, we did some shows because originally Kyle Vincent was singing in Candy, <laughs> and then uh, whatever happened before I came into the picture they were going to look for someone else to sing. And we did try out a lot of people, Ricky Rackman being one of them. Um, a lot of people tried out for Candy. They came down to this uh, this old rehearsal studio in, in downtown LA that we had, that we were rehearsing out of. And then Gilby just said, why don't I try? I can sing. I kind of, you know, I can do this. So we did a few gigs as Candy with Gilby Clark fronting it. And then eventually it was like, well, you know what, Gilby... I, wanted to do his own thing with kill for thrills. So he just ended up starting that band. And then the three of us, me, John Schubert and Jonathan Daniel were like, well, we need to find a singer again. We're still at that position. And then we found Shane Mm -hmm. and then Shane just, you know, his image was over the top, you know, cool glam. He was like, you know, he had this picture around Los Angeles of him in a microphone and that's all it needed. That's all it took. That one picture got us so many gigs, opened so many doors. And we were playing so many opening shows for bands that uh, like we would play uh, opening up for uh, Jane's Addiction one weekend wow. and then the next Balam and the Angel. And then um, we would open up for Zodiac Mind Warp. That was another really uh, eventful. So we were the sort of favorites of opening bands, but we, wanted more and every record company passed on us by the way in on the west coast we wow. had we had tried to shop our demo bruce Kulick produced uh the first electric angels demo and everybody had passed so we decided during that time to do something completely 180 degrees different when everybody was moving to los angeles in the 80s to be in a hair band we decided to move out of Los Angeles and move to New York City mm-hmm. and try and give it a go there because we knew that everybody, at least in the business, had already kind of signed off on Electric Angels. It's a great opening band, but you know what? We're not ready to sign them. Mm. Within three shows of moving into New York, we got a deal with Atlantic, which is one of the companies that had actually passed on us in Los Angeles. How are. about that? Hey, there's the album. Wait, Good one, Vic. Vic. You're on top of it. Yeah. All right. So that, that, as you can see, if you can go back to that picture, as you can see, that's uh, Jonathan on the yeah. left. And then there's then there's Shane, John Schubert. There's myself. 
so contrary to popular belief, I didn't just start wearing hats recently. I have always worn the hat and that hat is still special. It's still somewhere. I, I think, you know, in a storage unit somewhere. Now, how had you guys seen, and I, I, I feel like this, you, you would have got inspiration, but maybe I'm wrong. Had you guys seen the choir boys and dogs to more before? Was that, was that any kind of right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, but I think at the end of the day, we all saw the same album covers and we were all influenced by the same album covers, whether it was, an old Rolling Stones, Exile in Main Street sort of photo shoot, mm-hmm. or it was any Hanoi Rocks album cover. Yes. Yeah, at that course. point, Hanoi Rocks, to me, I, I always say this, there would have, there would be no Guns N' Roses, um, and there would be really a different type of hair metal scene in Los Angeles if it wasn't for Hanoi Rocks. Michael yeah. Monroe, Andy McCoy, mm-hmm. and the rest of Hanoi Rocks were like sort of our poster aisles when it came to album covers their image was so uh it it had like a and they were influenced by sort of rolling stones new york dolls that sort of glam image but they were sort of our new heroes and wow there you go so that's quick yeah um yeah that's a good actual i mean look at that would would you not pay to see that band i asked you yeah (laughs) and and honestly i mean when it does eventually become my show again. We are going to have Michael Monroe on as a guest. And I, I, I heard sure. about that. You heard, I mean, not unless you completely, you know, kibosh the show. And, and I, from you know what? I feel like there would be, I, I feel like a petition would come out. It would get <laughs> dozens of signings and people would say, no, we want Brian back. Nah. <laughs> Robbie, so, you're doing amazing. And, and you know what? Just so you know, because I know you're not going to plug it. But if it was my show, I would plug it. You got a new single coming out, right? You just had a single that came yeah. out yesterday. And so come on, take a smile. Well, take thank a, you very much. Take a bow, take a smile. <laughs> Folks out there, they're watching. There it is. Well, you know what? Thank you very much. I yeah. I, I do want to plug it, but at the same time, I really want to – this is your episode, and I, I, I really want to uh, get really – get even a little bit deeper into this because um, after Electric Angels – I'm sort of going to around 94, 96 now. You really were doing quite a lot of work. You had played guitar on three um, Gilby Clark albums and an EP. You had done work with Tal Backman. Um, and you had also done session work work with James uh, Michaels, who now yeah. sings in 6AM. Right. That is quite a busy two years. And I just want to get um, maybe just an, some thoughts from you. What was that like? During here's that time, exactly, here's exactly what happened. Yeah, I had always remember I was talking about how I was a nice, you know, Catholic boy growing up in the Bay Area. Yes, um, I was became quickly not the nice <laughs> sort of guy when I moved down to Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh crazy times. Obviously, yep. you want to hear about you know all the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yes, that does exist, that did happen, and I'm happy to have lived that way. And happy to have gone through it. I'm glad I'm even happier that I survived it. But one thing during those days up through electric angels, I was always a one sort of a one man band or a one band man. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I didn't go play in a bunch of different bands when I was in electric angels or candy. I, I stayed with my guys, but when I did, sort of a break apart, break, break off from electric angels. Cause they ended up eventually did an, another record uh, under the name electric angels. But when I, or I think it was, it was a different name that they did. I think they, yeah, the loveless, I'm sorry. They, so we, I, I, we basically had a trip to Los Angeles and I just stayed in Los Angeles. Oh really? Yeah. That was, it was, wow. we had a tour booked for Los Angeles. We went from New York to LA and then I just stayed there because I knew that my destiny was to start, whoring myself to as many bands as possible so you know i started playing and getting myself and jamming with as many people as i could trying to get knowledge from this guitar player knowledge from this singer knowledge from this band and eventually that's how i met uh james michael one of my Mm -hmm. good friends uh mike pavlik who we didn't cover because he was in one of the first bands i've ever joined in in the bay area called starfire Let's cover him now. Yeah. (laughs) Mike Pavlik was 
really good friends with James Michael. And then he brought me into that. So I played on James' first album called Inhale. You can check it out. If you listen to it, then you'll go, oh, yeah, I hear a lot of Roxy's playing in it now because I'm basically doing the same sort of uh, type of style of playing that I do in all my records. I try mm-hmm. to make, I try to make, uh, write good parts that complement the song. And hopefully that came across in James record, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I did that. And then I, you're right. I did play with um, a bunch of different people. Uh, Gilby asked me back to a solo band and that's when I started um, getting my first real taste of touring. I had toured with electric angels. We opened up for, with uh, danger, danger and hurricane. Mm-hmm. And we had toured on a very, van level you know we were we were self-promoting before the internet even really was a thing Mm -hmm. so i i think with gilby it was the first time to go on a tour bus and get to go spend record company people's money that was fun and yeah yeah and also doing like cool tv shows like letterman was one right you did letterman with Ooh, that was a little bit later yeah without okay, all right. I, I was able to do some I, I have been able to do some cool late night shows i did uh what, what, was, the one, what was the one with gilby though there's a there's a great um, john stewart that was john the first stewart, uh, yes. i did the john stewart show before it was sort of political satire john stewart was more of a, a entertainment show yeah, kind of. Who knows? Maybe someday in the trenches becomes political satire. I'm not sure. Or become more topical. But you know, it was more when it was just about the music and entertainers. And um, I remember meeting John Stewart on the trip to New York and playing those. Yeah, when you when you when I look back on it and I think, okay, I've been able to do the John Stewart show, uh, Leno, uh, the Tonight Show. I've been able to do Conan. These are all yeah. things I'm really thankful for because. You know, in today's world, and who knows tomorrow's world, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to Stephen Colbert's house and play his living room because <laughs> I've been watching a lot of late night TV now, and they're all doing it from their houses. But when you were doing these shows, were you thinking at the time, like, where was your mind? Were you thinking at the time, this is so cool, or were you just you just going with the flow? Did, was it- I wish, I wish I had subscribed to the enjoy the ride sort of philosophy that I have been really subscribing to these last years. Mm. But I think at that time, I was always uh, focused on what's next. I want more. Mm. What's next? Instead mm. of it just enjoying the journey, instead mm. of it's just enjoying what it is right now. And now I realize how much I value the journey and how much people out there right now, if you're striving to achieve a goal and try, striving to make it, how much you should really just be enjoying the process. Because back then it was more about, this is cool, but you know, I want to be the guy that's in front. It's like, no, at that time, you're the guy that's playing guitar, supporting your bud. Mm-hmm. That's you should be content with that because mm-hmm. that's what's happening right now. And it's opening all these opportunities. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'd like to lie to y'all and say that it was, uh, I, I was always sort of, yeah, Zen bro, but I'm, I, I'm not that guy. I'm, a, you know, I'm not Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, <laughs> 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I was really caught up into competition mm-hmm. and especially when that, when competition comes in and when, when, uh, any sort of comparison comes in with you and some other artist, then all of a sudden ego takes over. And mm-hmm. then when your ego takes over, people go, Hey, that guy's an asshole. And the minute people start saying you're an asshole, then it, you know, you can be the nicest guy in the world, but you, you're an asshole once and that sticks. And I think that stuck more than once for me. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm pretty secure with myself nowadays, but I think back then I wasn't as, so that probably fucked me in a few situations. But you know what? Maybe it also did you a favor. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, I don't know, hindsight and, and no regrets and all that. Look what you are now. Look at all the all this. Now you're looking back and saying, well, that was cool. And you sort of can enjoy the, ro- the ride from a different angle now, I suppose, on that. Absolutely. Journey. Yeah, you're 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 exactly right when you say that, and and I guess you have to go through it. But at the same time, if I could bestow any advice on to people listening that are wanting to, uh, I'm listening. Yeah, (laughs) 
enjoy where you're at right now because this is a this is the magic time. I was actually I was uh, distracted for a second with a co- with a comment that uh, Mark just made. Mark Denzies and the hour on stage was magic. Off stage, our minds worked overtime, and that's exactly what can happen. And that's exactly what I kind of am preaching nowadays mm-hmm. to try. You're never going to get yourself to oh to just sit back and be completely calm, but hopefully you can take a step back and realize that to to lower the importance every once in a while and enjoy the moment. Like right now, you putting your single out this week—that's a big deal. And I know that you told me, you know, prior in the week that you you couldn't sleep, and that's a that's a good time not to sleep. Mm. It's not good to sleep when you have stress. It's amazing not to sleep when you have you stress, which Mm -hmm. is like sort of the opposite of stress. And if you have you stress, it means that you're just like, you're excited and you're, you're driven. And I, and I'm not saying don't be driven about goals just in, you know, because that's what gets you to the next point in life, but enjoy the journey. Definitely. Um, I want to now move into, I know with the the problem with this is that we can miss so much, but I want to move into the world of Alice Cooper and uh, the reason why a a lot of people are here right now. And I thank you guys for coming out, man. That's, that's awesome. I'm looking at at how many people are watching and I'm excited. I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know how this experiment would work. I knew you'd do a great job. I just didn't know how many, I talk about myself all the time in my own show. So why would someone come to hear me? my own well, interview <laughs> well do you know what though i th- i feel like i i'm i feel really lucky to be able to to do this and i'm, I'm glad you took this idea on as well and, and we can make it happen because i have been lucky enough to uh do playing you know play music with you and and hear some of these uh these stories these fly on the wall stories and and anecdotes and whatnot so um i feel like it's you know there's some there's some good stuff here we can talk about for sure in 1996 that was yeah. the year you joined Alice. That's um, a good year. You got a one-tour contract, or a yes, one-year contract, I should say, or like well, a one-year agreement, was, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it was the promise of you'll, you'll at least tour one year with the Scorpions. You know, they didn't tell me that one year I, you'd probably lose your hearing. They didn't tell me that one year it could probably uh, turn your your ego, you know, from sort of a modest person to, you know, well, I wasn't really even modest even back then, but I, I got to be honest. <laughs> I I started to become a little bit uncontrollable when I was put in that position. But I was you have to understand, I was I was touring with the Scorpions. When you tour with the Scorpions, and and, and like you're, it's the first time I ate sushi. Uh, I remember the bass player from the band uh, turned me on to. So it's weird you know i i think i taught i think i fed my kids sushi when they were like five or six years old but i was like well into my 30s when i yeah. first had sushi and then of course being able to play and and see uh rudolf shanker you know every night and and klaus mind sing his ass off i mean it's still to this day they're 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 incredible but i did lose my hearing and that's i i would remember waking up on the tour bus with it with thinking it was screeching halting like yeah, stopping and then with like getting up and then realizing that we had been parked for like hours so wow yeah that's a, I, I, I learned quickly after that tour to use earplugs and i have ever since whether it's in your monitors or earplugs yeah. go um when you got the Alice gig, I think we've heard the story of the the audition quite, you know, uh, I think right. a lot of us have heard that story now. Um, so, but I want to ask you, how did you get the news? I feel like it's hard for maybe, you know, maybe even me, for some of us to really try and appreciate how any of us get any kind of news if it's not a Facebook message or an email or a text or an Instagram message. So how did you get the news? I've gotten the news twice to be in the Alice Cooper band. I've been lucky enough not to get get the news once, but I've got it twice. The the, the last time in 2012, I actually got a call from uh, Bob Ezrin, which was quite cool, which is a long time producer. And he said, hey, man, congrats. You're in the band. (laughs) And so that was, you know, a decision that him, uh, Shep, Gordon, Alice's manager, and Alice himself were able to make. So yes. that, but but the first time, I think I got the news, at least inwardly, when 
Alice and I locked eye contact when we locked eyes when I was walking out of the rehearsal studio because you know you have to picture we were at Mate's rehearsal studio in in the valley and that's in Los Angeles it's it's uh, basically a very famous rehearsal studio where you know Guns N' Roses Foo Fighters uh, Astor Pussycat like almost every band rehearsed there back in the day Bobby from Mate's that's that he's the owner and um, we rehearsed with Eric Singer on, we did the audition with Eric Singer on drum, Bob Daisley on bass, and Alice, who, you know, to all his credit, showed up for the audition and wanted to see whose guitar players were. Yeah. So after I did my thing, and I, you know, I, I do tell the story about the guitar, and it was shiny, and it, I kind of felt like I, I switched my plane at the very last minute because I wanted, I knew that Alice had already chosen a shredder because, you know, at the audition, there was a lot of shredding guitar players there. There was, yeah. you know, Reb Beach was, was there. And I, I felt that he really played a uh, really unique style and especially nailed all the 80s stuff and mm-hmm. um, was such a, still to this day, such a great player. That's amazing. But um, I kind of knew that he was a lock a little bit. So I felt that I had to maybe play a little bit more legato, maybe be that 70s version of the Alice Cooper band that people enjoy as well. And so I just went for it. And afterwards, I remember walking out of the uh, of the studio and Alice and I walk, locking eyes and him just going, huh, you never know. So I, I think he might have had a different opinion of me walking in and left with, and when I was leaving, changed his mind just a little bit because maybe he didn't think, maybe he thought I was all image. Maybe he thought I was, you know, wait a second, this guy just is is not going to hold it down the way I'm used to having this level of musicianship. Mm-hmm. And that day, like I said, the stars aligned, and I I was very uh, lucky to nail that B section of Poison, which I yep. said is, is key mm-hmm. for me uh, getting the gig. One of the things, but honestly just that eye contact that's when i kind of knew okay but uh so you, you sort of i think you knew deep down but what about receiving the news who gave you the call that, how that did was, you get uh, that was actually brian nelson which was at the time yeah. um, god rest his soul he's passed away but brian nelson was alice's assistant and um just so you know side note alice's current assistant kyler clark it's his birthday that's today so just anybody that's watching, please wish Kyler Clark on Serial Kyler. You could uh, always just wish me because we basically look very much alike. So, <laughs> but you I both got, play bass. I got, my, I got my Kyler Clark. I'm wearing my jean jacket. I got my Kyler Clark beard. Kyler Clark did teach you the correct way to play schools out. Yeah, <laughs> he did, and <laughs> he Nashville. schooled me in Nashville. there you go hey thank you Vic that's good so but going back to Alice's prior assistant uh which was Brian Nelson very cool dude uh he all for me he always supported uh the stuff that I had done and and from what I had heard from folklore is that he didn't really always support the band members on their side project but he had always he'd always been very supportive of me I think he thought um maybe I would provide that 70s element to uh to the alice cooper band that at that time had you know was coming out of the 80s was coming out of that early 90s it was looking for that identity so maybe a mix of both and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what it's been ever since alice cooper band has always had to ride that uh that line of, okay, which people are coming for the 70s version of Alice Cooper, which people are coming for the 80s, which people are coming for sort of the 90s, 2000 vibe, you know, because there's a lot of people, maybe yourself included, that the first time they saw Alice Cooper was with me playing guitar, which is quite surreal for me that I'm considered your original guitar player. Well, (laughs) those who, um, I've had a few messages lately actually saying, how did you how did you and Ryan first meet? And I've sort of said uh, for a couple of days now, a couple of weeks, and I'm like, well, just hold off because there might be a way we can just answer all this in, in one go. Are you sure that wasn't just three messages from Federock? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Federock. Um, but we you, were, you were the first Alice Cooper guitarist I saw. The first Alice Cooper show I saw was in 2000. Um, I had... I actually had a little bit of a fanboy moment the other day watching the Kane Roberts 
episode because I remember watching uh, the Nightmare Returns tour video cassette tape that my dad owned religiously, and how wow. I got that's how I got into like seeing that huge stage and um, and just knowing, okay, hold on a minute, these guys do this for a living. I want to maybe try this. And then my dad come, my dad saying to me, Alice, Alice Cooper's touring. Do you want to go and see him? And I said, absolutely. Year two thousand. I, I didn't even know what album at the time. I was ten. I didn't even know what album had come out, but Brutal we went Planet. and watched it. It was the Brutal Planet tour. Yeah. And I remember, first of all, uh, Dio opened. So I feel like I can always say I saw Ronnie Kick James. Ass every night. Yeah. Let me tell you that Dio right. was so good on that tour. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Well, it was it was what an amazing lineup: Ronnie James, Dio, Alice Cooper, Brian May came out for Schools Out at that show. Yeah, that was one of my bucket list moments when to, I actually got to hold the guitar. And uh, that, was, that was Brian May's relationship with uh, Eric Singer. Mm. You know, I, do always, I, I do say a lot that, it, you know, be cool to the people that you've played with in the past because they'll help you in the next gig. And, um, you know, Eric, that was a good example because Eric had played with Brian May before. And then Brian May came down and played, jammed with us. And yeah, that was just, an, an, and don't forget Rat opened up to, uh, that tour. And of course we all know Rat as uh, basically Dave Rattenberry. Yeah. I actually know the name Rat for Dave Rattenberry now. I forget their band sometimes. Who called them that? Was it, who invented that name for the Rat? Did anybody? I think we're speaking to him right now. Oh, let's give him a little, hey, there he is. There's a little <laughs> shout out for the Rat. I saw you backstage. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Let me do my show. <laughs> it's not even my show. It's my interview. Thank you guys for watching. I remember seeing that show. I remember watching you specifically and the the flashy GMP guitars. And I remember just thinking, okay, well, this is it now. This is what I, I want to do as well. But I want to speak a little bit about that tool because it was an introduction to Alice for me. It was quite interesting hearing you play the Brutal Planet stuff, quite industrial heavy metal music. Yep. And then when I started to look into your your uh, your uh, your older back catalog here in the Dad's Porno Mag, pop power pop type stuff, you've always actually, you know, realizing well you 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 write pop rock songs. You you like this the power That's pop. That's what I what said was, earlier. I'm, what was I'm it like, like this, though? Yeah. I'm, I'm Keith know. Partridge trapped in a yeah. Nikki Six world. I don't know. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, Nikki Six pretty pop too. And 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 here's yeah. the honest honest truth. I feel that Alice Cooper is more pop than his doom and gloom sort of image because whenever we're in the car, just the two of us, you know, listening to Michael DeBar in the morning driving he'll start singing the pop songs. He'll know every single word to all the power pop songs, uh, especially the early 70s songs. So we maybe we are sort of, we love the guitar though. Trust me, we love heavy guitar. I love have down, you know, uh, detuning. I like the drop detuning, which we, in that yep. era was Brutal Planet, Dragon Town. Yes. We had a lot of different types of uh, detuning. That would have to do with Bob Marlette and the production of those albums. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm a song pop oriented guy. So when you listen to some of those songs or hopefully some of those solos, you hear sort of like a hookiness that you could possibly hear in, say, more of a traditional pop song, sort of like my my solo in the Tal Bachman "She's So High" yes. video. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, I I I'm trying really hard to not gloss over all of this kind of stuff. There's going to be a few angry people, I think, that go, "Why didn't you ask this question? Why didn't you do this?" Well, but go go on. I mean, we have some time. I know we have to keep it under certain time constraints and stuff. But maybe it's one of those things where, like, of course, we're going to do some in the trenches episodes in the future. In the next couple of weeks, I I sort of let the cat out of the bag. Can we, can we say it right now? Michael Monroe is going to be yes. our guest next week. Yes, yes, Michael yes. Monroe from Hanoi Rocks, one of my you know hero bands growing up. He's going to be our guest, and then the week after. We've got um, Chuck Garrick from Bisto Blanco. Yeah. And obviously, you know, he's on stage right with me every single night with the Alice Cooper right. man. But we have some guests lined up the next couple of weeks. But maybe a, a few weeks from now, I can come back on and we could do some sort of a part two. I think there might have to be a part two for this. But I want to speak 
a little bit more about um, your engagement with people, um, your engagement with with your fans and your friends, because um, I know you've made a lot of friends during these touring and uh, doing the touring and releasing the albums. You have always done such an amazing job at speaking with people, catching up with people before and after shows. Do you remember shows? Do you remember when people used to go to a gig and everyone used to hang out? <laughs> back when, huh? Wow. You you did a great you'd still do a great job and you always have. I'm now reflecting sort of back on those early days because I remember I sent Ryan Roxy an email in, in probably two thousand um and you definitely responded, which yeah, was so, a big which was which was a mistake because then I emailed you again. And then I emailed you again, and then I emailed you again. And do you know what? Hopefully, we've got Vic on on the button ready to do this. Um, <laughs> but then we managed to. I managed to meet you, which would have been in two thousand and five. <laughs> Get the hell out! How you look like you look like very <laughs> tiny. You, you well, I'm like, I'm still tiny. I'm still no, kind of short. Honestly, you look like. Like physically, like a, a doll. You like yeah, a, but do you know what? I, I it's such a good job. I never shave this beard <laughs> off now because that is what you would get. That you would get a picture of me on, on like that. Which, now that's not just my first photo with uh, with Ryan Roxy. Get out of it, here. We've got another photo. Um, Vic, can we maybe get the one from Dave Rattenbury? Wait, is this that is, Dave Rattenberry right now? That is Does Dave Rattenberry. Britney wants me shirt on right there. He has a Britney oh, wants me shirt. Right we there. used to do a a, a a sort of segment in the show with Calico Cooper playing the role of of Britney Spears. I think she might have yes. talked about it on her past episode of In the Trenches. But but you know she, we had this thing where Alice would wear this Britney wants me, which is so creepy in some ways because. Britney wants me is just weird enough already because Alice is whatever age he is. And Britney was like probably a Disney star, but then his daughter was playing the role of Britney. So it gets so twisted in turn, but yeah, yeah. but I'm glad that Dave found it important to wear the shirt. Is, wow. is it, is it original shirt or was it actually, uh, did he make, is that a one that he did on an iron on himself? I don't I can't know. see because of his, uh, age, the stage shirt. used, uh, the satchel, but you know, we'll, we'll ask, we'll ask Dave. But hey, do you know what? So you've seen a picture of one of the first pictures of me and you. It's one of the first pictures of you and Dave, and now we can bring on the one of the first pictures of you and Vic Shalfan. Get the hell out of here! Yeah, which oh, look at that. So, so I, he I looks, just, you know what though, he looks exactly the. He kind of looks the same. Yeah, he does. He well, maybe not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back to the other one i think actually vic's wearing one of his homemade uh roxy uh t-shirts that he he sort of yeah it's like a bootleg that's, that's like a bootleg a bootleg. and i actually want that design right now it's how is, i want that more than vic gave me the hook shirt how is the revenue on that shirt uh vic Still, um, you know what the same amount <laughs> i got the hook from vic uh the vi the bot the vibe is I've made as much money off that bootleg T-shirt as I've made off the Tal Bachman "She's So High" video. How about wow, that? <laughs> you've got an amazing you've got an amazing engagement with with everyone. I think everyone can see this with your interaction. Even you know you've just carried the same I feel like ethos along ever since those first emails back and forth to now having people come on your podcast and just touch and touch and base with people but what i really want to learn is there you are there it is yeah. rock the world oh. trying um, we are but can you who did you learn this from because i watch you do it and i think wow that's you know i i wanted also this try and do might this. be one of the things yeah it's yeah. a good question because i i honestly feel and this is no bullshit. We owe the fans everything. We owe anybody that supports us anything. Because mm -hmm. I and sometimes I think saying the word fans kind of is I know it's not kind right, of it, it's not the right word for it because word, yeah. they're supporting, they're they're helping our career. And right now that our career is or our sort of livelihood is in is sort of been thrown in disarray, 
you've been supporting. Everybody that's watching this right now has been supporting it. And I think it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's right now that people are just now turning on to our world and learning the guitar lessons and all that kind of stuff. It's the years before when we, there wasn't this crisis and we were still, we've always been in crisis. Let's be honest. We're, we're musicians. We're always in financial yeah. crisis, but I've always felt that the reason I'm going to have any sort of retirement is if the people that have been supporting me for all these years continue to support. And I think Alice feels the same way. I, as far as like, I know that Alice doesn't go out and shake everybody's hands after the show because, you know, he's, he's an icon and he's an iconic dude. He's a household name, but honestly, he makes you feel like the most important person in the room when you're hanging out with him one-on-one -on -one. and anyone that's done VIP with him knows that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's where I sort of took the nod from mm. because I always felt, I always felt that he gave his fans as much as he could. Obviously there's certain places he can't go. There's mm -hmm. certain things, there's certain boundaries he can't cross, but guess what? I could because, you know, I was popular for 15 minutes after the show. What is that? It's the old GMP show. Wow. Look at that, man. That I want that shirt back. It's not that much <laughs> different than I look right now. No, because don't you know worry about I, the guitar. I want the shirt back. Yeah. Well, the yeah. guitar, I know where that one's at, but that's a GMP Les Paul um, double cutaway. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that one. That's a Mylar top. And that was on the brutally live. Um, but I love the the orange sort of Pumas because I was so that was so Manchester rock yes. camouflage jeans, which I still have. Actually, they're just mm -hmm. now shorts. But that shirt itself on that shirt, if you zoom up, it says ping pong heroes. And I always love the term ping pong heroes. And that There's was basically. Yeah, might be. Yeah. But getting back to people that have supported us over the years. Like I said, I took my lead from Alice, but then I was able to do more things because I might have been popular for 15 minutes after the show, but then I could go back to being a normal Joe. I could go back to being this normal guy. And my thing was, while I can, maybe someday, who knows? Maybe someday it's 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 beyond. We have enough of a fan base and enough of a, a following that that we do have to sort of, you know, sort of stay in our little bubble. But while I can, I'll, I will always reach out outside the bubble because when we're on tour, it is a bubble. It, we're a family, our, our, our band, our crew, we, we travel inside a bubble, but I always want to vent, peek my head out to, uh, I guess, keep myself, remind myself that, you know, it's the real world out there. And it's, it's, this is, even though it's temporary, I've been able to make it, you know, 40 years temporary, which yeah. is, I, which is a very nice length of time. And if it was to end tomorrow, like who the fuck knows at this point in time, um, then I'm happy with it. But I know that I was in touch with the people that supported me and hopefully they were in touch with me and they know who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, like I said, the reason why I think people watch this show is because it's a no bullshit. I mean, of course we can be fabulous at times. Of course we can act, ask some silly questions and act a little bit ridiculous. But at the end of the day, we care about the people that support this. They care about us. And it's really important these days that uh, people feel like they belong to something, whether it's the Roxy Guitar Army or just people that come here every Tuesday to listen to us do our show and bring on guests because we are going through these times that uh, it's a little bit uh, surreal and yeah. kind of need to feel like we belong. And you guys, just so you know, all of you watching right now, you belong right now. And, and you know, give it up for Robbie. He's done a great job sort of <laughs> taking the reins of this one. You really have. Well, I, I heard a quote the other day that has resonated with me so much. And I keep, I'm keep saying it to myself, especially lately in the past even few days. Is it take a Pe smile? People that do that. I've been saying, trying to do that one for two years. Um, <laughs> people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Wow. You know, 
That sounds. I think if people can see that you're really passionate about something, they see how much you care about something, they care, and they can. See that wasn't on a fortune cookie. You're sure that that wasn't on a fortune cookie of of food that you not a recent ordered one. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I think people like that passion. Yeah. They like. It wasn't a like, song that Ferg tried to stump you on on your music trivia show. <laughs> stumps me on all of those, especially when we have to. So 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 say it one more time. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Wow. All right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I'll have to put that in my wheelhouse. I don't know how I'm going to. Put it, put it in your fortune cookies tonight. Can, <laughs> I definitely will. Um, I want to push on, just drive on a little bit more because. Um, You've been on and, for an hour. I think it's that the people are tired. Wait, wait can I just. Tired. Can, no, 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 We got to, we got to, I want to try and wrap this up in a certain way, even though we've okay. lost over so much. Let's have part two. Let's have part two. Well, I mean, maybe we should, yeah. But but, um, wrap, but wrap it up the way you see fit. Not you know, like I said, we when we started this and we had the idea earlier this mm -hmm. week because it was my f up that I didn't realize that we had Michael Monroe this week, but it's going to be next week. So Michael Monroe next week. Thank you. Start promoting it right now, Federock. But I said that I would be the John Stewart, and you will be my John Oliver. Because yes. I remember watching John Stewart's show when John Oliver took over. So, John Oliver, please wrap it up the way you see fit, not me. Well, and and my and a little claim to fame, although I'm not claiming to really any fame, is that John Oliver is from my hometown in Bedford, and I went to the same high school as John Oliver. I went to Mark Rutherford Upper School, um, and yeah, that's where John Oliver went to school as well, um, <laughs> a few years before me. So, I guess. Um, on the 25th of May, 2018, Imagine Your Reality came out. Yes, it did. Um, that feels to me like that, that album kind of came out of nowhere. How long had you been working on that? And how old? Actually, I think I'm, I, I may have asked you this question before, but you've got some. There was a song that I guess like from maybe early 2000s I made it onto that one, Live and Die in L.A. and Aura, certainly the riff and stuff the, like that. That was from the Slash era. That was from yeah. the Slash to Snake Pit area. If you actually listen to the uh, um, – if you listen – because we didn't talk anything about the Slash Snake Pit era. But no, if you I listen know. to that guitar playing on that, you could tell there's a direct correlation from uh, the riff and sort of the, the guitar style. Mm -hmm. uh, but the album is a collection – of older song ideas that have been percolating for years, even before Roxy 77 uh, albums as well. There's some riffs there, mm -hmm. but also a bunch of current ideas. Mm -hmm. And the main goal for Imagine Your Reality was to make a guitar-driven album with my name being associated as the guitarist from Alice Cooper. I, wanted, I didn't want to people to think that, okay, here comes a, a pop artist or a pop yeah. uh, heavy pop. I wanted there to be guitar solos in every out in every song. So 10 songs, 10 guitar solos. And that's what we've managed to do. Uh, the production team did a really great job with all the songs, you know, whether it was Christopher Fullen with, with songs like over and done or the cover that we did with uh, California man, or it was Tommy Hendrickson with, um, you know, with, uh, me generation or never mind me. So these, I listened to the production team and uh, made the best album, guitar driven album that I could. And like any other album, it has a spectrum. Any other album that I was influenced by mm -hmm. has a spectrum of music. It's not just 10 of the same songs. So within that one album, you'll see a bunch of different, uh, colors and and styles you'll it'll it'll range from punk rock nirvana to more sort of april march uh pop rock like with hearts and troubles so mm -hmm. you gotta, if you enjoy guitar you'll enjoy the album so and, and for those of you that are watching if you haven't checked out the album yeah go check it out i, I i'm i'm happy about it uh scotty one of the members of our sort of roxy guitar army team he runs uh bellyache records which mm -hmm. tommy originally called balachi records and uh yeah I, i'm happy with the record and the the video that vic just did on last sunday's uh sunday live stream sunday 
uh, Heart for Hearts in Trouble. That's officially coming out later this week. I didn't want wow. to step on your release of your single, <laughs> Take a Smile, but no, mine's coming sweet. out at the end of the week. So Very you have sweet. three more days, motherfucker. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. It's grind time. I want to just ask one more question. Sure. Um, is anyone ever really out of the trenches? Um, I hope not. I hope that everyone stays in the trenches with us. And because being in the trenches is sort of enjoying the journey. Mm. I think the only time you get out of the trenches is when you're actually maybe buried. Mm, <laughs> in buried. the trenches. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's the trench, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but keep on working with whatever goal it is. You know, it's my, it's my belief that everybody's good at something. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's so there's some every person is an expert at something. So whatever it is that causes you know you to say this doesn't feel like a job, mm-hmm. then do that. Yeah. All right, unless it's killing people. Yeah, obviously. I mean, and there's some probably professional murderers out there. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> really good at yeah. it. But. <laughs> No, I'm saying it's, as long as positive, as long as it's a positive process yeah. and it, it makes you feel like it's not work, then go for it and that window will open. Okay. You know? And yeah. it's, it's, it's open for me. It's opening for you. Um, you know, like yeah. I said, everyone that's out there, go for it. And thank you again for always supporting us over here at uh, yeah. Roxy TV. Well, I just want to, um, I want to finish up this first part of this whole okay. event. So if you can just stick around, Ryan, um, we're going to just, we're going to just finish up the, the podcast. So Ryan Roxy, thank you so much for coming on in the trenches today. It's been great having you. I think we have to do a part two sure. of this, um, but thank you so much. We're going to wrap up the podcast here. If you're listening on your Spotify and whatnot. Um, so thank you for being on in the trenches. It's been a pleasure. with Ryan Roxy. Now, what the hell happened with that? Why is that that layover so loud, Vic? But do you know what? It's 